Good morning. It is indeed a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak to you this morning. I see that there is a great audience and we pray that you come for the sole purpose of learning what you can do to serve God better. We want to thank all of our visitors. Thank you for coming. And we pray that when you leave, you will have heard something that will cause you to want to obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful to the brethren for giving me this opportunity to speak to you about some things that I think is necessary. It may not be important to you yet, but I think it's necessary that we talk about these things in order that we might be better servants of Christ going forward than we've been in the past. The, the subject today is, can Christians be lost? And I know that that has come up in your mind more than one time. And you've always wondered about it. And we hope this morning that you will have some of the answers uh, that will help you navigate through this, uh, what might have been a mystery. Uh, as you uh, journey through life, there are many things that will attract you and distract you. And so the things that we are going to point out today, hopefully, will cause you to want to be more dedicated to Christ. You know, uh, it's one thing to come to church every Sunday, to be present, uh, to sing a song, give a tip, and go home. And it's another thing to be dedicated you know, when you're dedicated, that means that you believe wholeheartedly in what you're doing. You believe that this is the vehicle that can get you from earth to eternity. And it's something that we all have to be concerned about. Because James says that, what is your life? It is but a vapor that appears for a little while, and then it vanishes away. Just that quick. Uh, some people think that I'm going to live to be an old man, an old lady. And they think that without consulting with God. God holds life in his hand. He gives it, and he retrieves it. And he has that right because we belong to him. He created us. So as we think about it today, uh, let's look at some of the things that are mentioned here. Some say that once you become a Christian that you can never lose your salvation. Is that true? That's not true because uh, we start sometime and we change our mind and go a different way. So just like you started off as a Christian, and, that we, and, and we are uh, under the understanding that you have done this properly. You know, when I say done it properly, that is you have come to Christ the proper way. You know, some say all you have to do is just ask God to come in your heart and you'll be saved. That is a lie of Satan. That's not what the Bible teaches. And so we have to be sure that we come to God the proper way. Now, he does not leave anything to our imagination. He does not leave anything for us to decide or create. He has told us from the beginning what he will accept and what he will reject. Now, we have to be obedient servants 
to listen and obey. Okay? It says the, the doctrine of once saved, always saved, suggests that the Christian, once truly saved, can never do anything to lose their salvation and finally be lost in hell. Uh, this belief says Christians have a or an unconditional security in Christ. And that's not true. They suggest that any person who appears to be a Christian and falls away, that they were never truly converted in the first place. They say that Christians do sin, but when they sin, they are punished in this life and forfeit privileges in heaven, but not entrance into heaven. But heaven is conditional. What is condition? A conditional statement is usually introduced by words such as if or unless. You see. So you can be a Christian and you can be lost because you are not going to remain at the same state or level when you obey. Some people come into church, they're all fired up. You know, they'll do anything, they'll run anywhere, and then a couple of weeks later, you can't find them. Where are they? Where's all that energy? Where did it go? You see, we have to remember that Satan is the stealer of our joy. And that's his job, is to steal the word out of your heart so you'll no longer be edified or anxious to serve God. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to take you away. See, he's lost. He knows that. He's just waiting on his punishment. And so he wants to take as many of us with him as he possibly can. When Jesus said in Luke 13 and 3 that unless you repent, you will perish, we understand that repentance is a condition to keep us from being lost. When the Bible says if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. First John 6, uh, 1, rather, 6 through 11. You see, uh, there are conditions, and we must follow those conditions. Our reading today from God's word, uh, all inspired, Sufficient word comes from 2 Peter 2, verses 20 through 22, where after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord, Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state will be worse for them than the first. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness then having known it, to turn away from the Holy Commandments. As we often quote this uh, proverb, it is like a dog returned to his own body. You know, when Jesus sees this as something serious, now, if you think about it, just think about a dog returning to his own vomit. Now, many of you have dogs, right? You ever seen your, your beloved pet regurgitate? Does he just cover it up and go on? No. <laughs> I'm not going to be too graphic, but you know what he does. And the Bible says, when you turn from the word of God, 
Uh, when you obey the gospel, you go back. Did you know better than him? We have to understand that if we are to win this race, we're going to have to stay on the boat. You know, uh, you cannot uh, start the race and then stop and be a winner. The Bible says that uh, it is not the, the fastest starter, but it's he who endures to the end that wins. And that's what we want it to be. So when you uh, start off this race as a Christian, realizing that it's not going to be an easy journey, as some have uh, told us, uh, not knowing. It's going to be a hard journey. It's going to be some ups. It's going to be some downs. Uh, it's going to be some trials and some tribulations. It's not going to be that smooth road that you have imagined in your mind or listened to some of these smooth talking preachers that have told you so. They are just trying to get to your pocketbook. That's what the smooth talking is all about. And so we have to understand that in life we're going to have some trials and tribulations. The doctrine of once saved, always saved is built on the belief that God's grace is unconditional. Some say once grace is given, a Christian cannot lose it. But the doctrine of unconditional security ignores the conditional qualifying statement in the scriptures about whom the grace of God saved. Now, several passages show our salvation is conditional. We must remain faithful to God. For instance, the Lord Jesus said in John 8, verse 51, Truly, truly, I say unto you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. But what will happen if a person stops keeping God's word? The Lord said in John 15 and 1 and 2, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges. So it may bear more fruit. Now, when a branch of Christ, or excuse me, a branch in Christ, no longer bears fruit, it takes, it's taken away. John 15, verse 6 says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Well, this is the end of a Christian who will not bear fruit. Now, a lot of us don't bear fruit. You know, we only come to church to be saved. And you say, well, that's not me. Well, you got to do a self-inventory. Number one, why do you come to church? Number two, what do you come to church for? Number three, what you expect to receive? And four, what are you going to leave? You see, we come to church to be served. And that's the whole idea of denominationalism. Uh, it's not designed to get you to heaven. It's designed to help a few people get what they are trying to get financially. Now, uh, if you were if you were in denomination, you might you might uh, want to throw a brick at me. Well, that's fine. You see, because you got to examine where you are and what's going on. You know, when when you become a member of a denomination, you become a, a member of that denomination, and its uh, leadership is designed to teach you false doctrine. You don't believe that. 
Just pay attention, you'll find out. If you listen to what you're being taught, is it from the Bible or is it from man? You see, you can determine that very easily by looking at the book, the chapter, and the verse. Uh, this is one of the things that got me out of denominationalism. Uh, as far back as I can remember, you know, I remember going to church uh, and seeing people come to church in a wagon, a horse and buggy. Now, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to remember that, you see. And my family was typically Methodist and Baptist. So I grew up in denominationalism. But we have always been religious. But the thing that got me fed up as I grew older, and this is, uh, I, I had gotten in my 20s uh, from uh, a young man, and I had uh, joined myself to a uh, denomination that's located in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, any of y'all know? Uh, some of you are familiar with that church. It's still there today. But I left there in 1969. And my reason for leaving was because, as I have told you, examined. I examined what the preacher was preaching. Now, he was... Uh, what you might call a, a, a well-educated man. He was from South Georgia. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember the exact town he was from, but he came to the church after the uh, preacher that was there got sick. And the reason he came was because of two things. They wanted a high-valued preacher, and number two, they wanted a loan to stretch the bill. And this man had both. He had a connection with the president of the, uh, at that time, I think it was called the CNS Bank. And so he was going to be able to do that. So they, that's why they called him. But the thing that got me was every Sunday, I always carried my Bible with me. And I sat and watched and listened intensely. And he would open up the Bible, he would read a few scriptures, and then he would close it up, put it on the side. And then he would begin to preach history, science, economics, gossip, whatever comes to his mind. And I could not follow him in the scriptures on what he was saying. And so I got so fed up with it until I stopped going and I started searching. I said the truth has got to be somewhere. I know it's not here. And so I began to search. And that's what you got to do. Uh, John, John said, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they that testify of me. So you see what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to search the scriptures. If you are somewhere where you are getting no food, but you're getting entertained, you're going to have to check it out to see if it be of God. You see? And that's what, believe it or not, that's what people are looking for today is entertainment. They want to go somewhere and be entertained. They want to sit and they want to clap and they want to jump up and they want to holler and be entertained. And afterwards they say, oh, I really enjoyed that. Wasn't that great? Didn't he preach a good sermon? And then you ask the question, what did he preach about? Uh, 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 
I, I, can't, I can't remember, remember exactly, exactly, but he, he it was, was good. good. Boy, well, he, he really had, had them sisters go. go. You see, that's, that's what, what we are getting in the religious world. world. Christians can be lost. You can be lost if you don't check out what you're being taught. It's how your moral life, uh, how your moral life matters. A Christian who turns to fleshly passions can lose his soul. But one who puts away sin can live with God. Romans 8, verses 12 and 13. To then, brethren, he's talking to Christians. We are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Excuse me, for if you, that is you, Christian, are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are put into death, the deeds of the body, you live. Morality is a condition of salvation. And, and let me say about morality, you cannot live any kind of way. You know, God has set forth the rules for our lives as Christians. You have got to Turn off some of those things that you have been enjoying. You know, it sounds good, but what does it do to your soul? That's what matters. That music that you love so much, you can't stop listening to. That you can't turn it off. You know, you get up with it in your ear. You go all day with it in your ear. You go to bed with it in your ear. That's what's going to control you. Everything that your eyes hear. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everything that your ears hear and your eyes see, your computer records it. Now, this computer has a hard drive beyond imagination. It can last for 10 years, 20 years, 60 years, 100 years, and more. This is a hard drive that you have not seen and man didn't invent it. And so, what happens when you put all of this stuff in your computer at various times, it automatically, you don't have any control over it in that sense. It automatically plays it back. Have you not had a, uh, heard a baby? Uh, maybe you were in the store place some time and uh, the baby would yell out a word and the parent grabbed his hand. Where'd you get that from? And the, the mystery is, I got it from you. They heard you say it. You see, the child, he might be playing on the floor, or lying in his bed. You might be talking, or you might be fussing, or you might be cussing, or God knows what you might be doing. The baby records it. I don't, I don't care if he's playing play with his, his toys, toys and you think that he's not paying any attention. He recalls that. Yes, sir. And at times, it plays back. Automatic. So, you know, be careful what you say and where you say it. Your children are listening. What destroys a family is mama and dad in most cases. You see, because the children are watching you. You are their mentor. You are their examples. And they are watching you, mom and dad. Colossians 1, 21 to 23 says, And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet have now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and 
steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister, you see, holding firm into the gospel in a condition of our salvation. You see, you have to hold on to your salvation. And once you are taught, you have to enhance it by studying it. You cannot just read it and forget it. You know, you have to read it over and over and over and over. And that's the only way you are going to get it. That's the only way you're going to practice it. And that's the only way it's going to be able to guide you, you see. That uh, crazy music you listen to won't guide you. It'll only help you do more mischief. I said more mischief. It will not guide you to salvation. You know, when you obey the gospel, you have to let go of some of those friends you once had. Because they do not help you get where you need to be. You see, you have to let go and let God guide you by his word. You see, that's the, the fallacy of an alcoholic or a drug dealer. Or not dealer, but a taker. You know, uh, he or she cannot cut loose those friends that was, they thought were so close to them. But in order for you to kick the habit, in order for you to kick the habit, you know, kick it, you have to let them go. You don't need them anymore. Because if you keep them, what's going to happen, you are going to continue in the same vein. In other words, you're going to continue to do drugs, you're going to continue to do alcohol, and you're not going to be able to get away. Because every time you see one of those old friends, come on, man, have another drink with me. Yeah, yeah, I got a, a couple of, uh, what do y'all call it, 10 ounces, 20 ounces? Come on, have one with me. One ain't going to hurt. Yeah, I know you're you trying to quit, but uh, you need to go and have one with me. You know? Trying won't get you anywhere. You got to stop. You got to stop. If you're if you drinking, you got to stop drinking. If you're smoking, you got to stop smoking. Not try to stop, you got to stop. Is it easy? No. It's not going to be easy, but it's doable. If you let Christ help you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Strengthens me. So what do you want to do? You want to go to heaven? Or you want to stay down here with your friends? It's up to you. Remain an active in church attendance. This is so key to a Christian and to hold on to your salvation. He says, uh, remaining uh, active in church attendance, uh, efforts, our efforts for the gospel is condition of salvation. Hebrews 10, 25, there the inspired writer noted that some Christians had forsaken assembly with the church. And in response to this, he said in verse 26 and 27, for we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fear of fire which will consume the adversary. You, I'm sorry, yes, as a Christian, who quits on God 
can lose the blessing of eternal life, God expects us to stay involved in church as long as we are able. You got to stay in church. I know you said church is too long. I can't stay there all day. No, you can't stay here all day because that uh, little fella in your ears keep calling you. You know, you keep hearing the phone ring. He keeps saying, uh, come on over here. That's something to tell And so you can't stay focused. You know, you would stay in church, but every time you think about it, it look, come on, come on. We won't be long. And so you listen to that little strange voice in your ear rather than listening to God. What do you think you obey the gospel for? You know, uh, there's a saying that someone obeyed the gospel and then they went home and sit down. And they said, oh, I got it made now. I ain't got to do nothing. They didn't even go to work, you know, until they realized that they were hungry. And they said, where am I going to get food? And then they started looking around. Everybody else got food. And you know what? Satan said, you can get some of that. They call it stealing. You see, God's people should never be accused of stealing because he doesn't have what he needs because God gives him the strength and the ability to go out and get what he needs. You know, I've been working so long, I don't even remember when I started work. I don't. I've been working so long, I don't remember when I started because I grew up on a farm. That's, that's different. On a farm, everything that moves and breathes works. Age that had nothing to do with it. I was going to the field when I was just a kid. Not for a moment or for a look. You know, some kids think when you go and play. I went to the field, I worked all day with my dad. He didn't allow you to play. The only time I stopped work was when we came home or came back and after that back to the field till sundown it wasn't no eight to four or nine to three it was from sun up to sundown and so I've been working ever since and I'm still working I'm still working I'm gonna work till I die but here's the thing while I'm working, I'm also working for the Lord. And I'm not going to quit. I don't care if you don't want to work. That's your problem. That's between you and your God. But the Bible teaches that you need to work on the job to support yourself and in the church to support the church. The church don't work. It has you to work for it. And, and that dollar that you give the church on Sunday, don't, don't worry about it. You know, don't say, well, I'm not going to give anymore because, you know, the preacher got a new car, and I know he must be using my money to get that car with The preacher gets a salary. He gets paid. First Timothy 5.18. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what he don't let you look it up for yourself. But the thing is, once you hand that dollar, or you, uh, excuse me, once you put it in the tray or in the basket, it's no longer yours. You have consciously given it to the Lord. And he either has blessed you or condemned you. And, you, and I might, might just say a, a word or two about that. that. You said, condemn me. I gave. But see, he looks at the heart. Why you gave. 
And if the reason is not there that you should have gave or that you should have, you could be condemned. But uh, let me hurry on. I don't know how much time I'm supposed to have, but uh, I ain't through yet. Okay. So we, we covered that. As a Christian, you have a responsibility and a duty. And the Lord expects you to work in the vineyard. And you are to not worry about what you're going to get paid. The Lord will pay you whatever it is that you are due. Just like the man that worked and he come in the vineyard at the last, you know the parable, at the end of the day. And uh, when time was up, they had time to go home, and the man paid everybody the same thing. The man complained, said that we born the heat of the day, yet you gave us the same thing you gave that man. He just worked the whole one hour. Well, see, that's not your business, what that man did, because he's not working for you. You see, the master will pay him what he's due. And is it not him, the master's? To give to who he please? So don't worry about the other man. Just worry about yourself. Are you working? Are you doing what you should do? Okay, let me rush on. In 1 John 1, 6-7, the Bible says, If we that have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice truth, but if we walk in light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin. Uh, all sin, excuse me. Now, this was written to Christians. Our freedom from sin is conditional on whether we follow the Lord or follow the world. It's conditional. I presented several conditions that God has placed on our salvation, and there are many more. But if there were just one, just one scriptural condition on this list, my friend, that would be enough to show that our salvation is conditional. Now, in addition, the scriptures often warn Christians to remain faithful and to commit it to the Lord. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, do you uh, not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? He says, run in such a way that you may win. That is give it all you got. Everyone who competes in the game exercises himself control of all things. They then do it to receive a perishable read. But we do something more than that. But we and Im we and imperishable. We are that should be uh, perishable. Therefore, he says, I run in such a way that as not without aim, one in one box in such a way as not beating the air, but I dis but I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I may I myself will not be disqualified. Paul knew that he could lose his crown of life if he didn't discipline himself and stay free from sin. And it's the same with you. There's no difference. You have to condition yourself to stay free from sin. And it's not something that you can do one time and be finished with it. You got to continue to do it constantly. The Bible said that we are to pray without ceasing. And so you will continue to pray uh, that you will stay out of sin. You see. And that's the only thing. Prayer is the only thing that's going to help you and keep you out of sin. Because the body is, is one thing. And when uh, we are attracted, excuse me, we are attracted to sin. You didn't know that, did you? You're attracted to sin. And if you don't use God's word to keep you out of it, guess what? You're going to be right in the thick of it. 
Paul said that uh, before the law, he didn't know he was a sinner. And so, but with the law, he learned and found out that he was a sinner. And in order to stay out of it or to stay in good with the Lord, then he had to buffet himself. Not monthly, but daily. Okay. Galatians 5.19 to 21, Paul warned the Galatian Christians about the deeds of the flesh and said, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, amenities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, dispute, dissensions, faction, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, that is you, brethren, in Galatia, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things, that include them, that includes them, will not inherit the kingdom of God, which would, which would, uh, which, I'm sorry, why Paul forewarned Christians, and I forewarned you that if you don't practice keeping yourself unspotted from the world, you will not inherit eternal life. And so we have a responsibility to keep ourselves. We have the word of God to keep us from sin. It's ever present, but you do not have to participate in it. You see, and just like uh, uh, drinking and carousing. Uh, I was in the Navy, and I traveled in many parts of the world. And uh, I didn't drink before I went in the Navy, but I was told, oh, you going to service, you're going to drink. Yeah, you're going to do like everybody else. I went in the service, and uh, I stayed in there for four years and eight months, to be exact. And I didn't drink. But you know what? I had a friend at the time that was a stone alcoholic. And I used to follow him around when we go on liberty to keep him alive. And you say, why is that? Because when he go on liberty, he get high. And then after he get high, he started looking for every, I'm going to use this term, even though it might not be valid, but you understand what I'm saying. He looked for every, every Jezebel in that country. That's what he would do when he get high. And I don't know if you never traveled abroad, and this was back in the 60s. Just think about that. How dangerous it is. But to, to stay alive, you had to really stay on your P's and Q's back then. Because the Europeans believed that uh, Americans, all Americans, are rich. So what are your chances of getting hit in the head? Or if you go down the map, you see, by yourself, intoxicated, your chances are great. So I followed him around to keep him alive, not participating in what he participated in, but as a friend. And I did it time after time. And the only joy I got out of it was that when I left him, he was alive. Nobody had knocked him in the head. And nobody had robbed him. Or any such thing. So you have to keep yourself unspotted from the world. As a Christian, you're going to have to stay focused. You're going to have to stay determined. Now, many of you might say, well, you know, I've been in the Church of Christ uh, X number of years, and uh, I don't see no difference in the church than uh, in the rest of the church. And uh, you don't see any difference because you haven't been paying attention. 
And there's a big difference in the church of Christ and in the worldly churches. And the Lord, first of all, the Lord only built one church, Matthew 16, 18. You know, and uh, even if you back up before that, before he built the church, it was prophesied. You know, Isaiah uh, 2, 1 and 2, uh, talked about it. Daniel 2.44, he said that uh, uh, in the days of these kings, the Lord of heaven will establish a kingdom in the top of the mountains. You know, Jerusalem is considered one of the highest peaks in uh, that area. When you, if you ever go there, I've never been there, but uh, if you ever go there, you can confirm that. You can let me know if that's true. But they say it's at the highest peak. So when you go there, you go up, you see. And so uh, that's what the uh, prophecy states in the top of the mountain. And so uh, the prophecy is there. The church was established in, uh, in the second chapter of Acts on the day of Pentecost. And it is the oldest church in the Bible. Uh, there are some that say that theirs are the oldest, but they have not examined the truth, you see. The uh, Church of Christ was established in AD 33 uh, by the Apostle uh, Peter. Uh, Jesus proclaimed it, and he used Peter to establish it on the day of Pentecost in uh, the second chapter of Acts. And so the church is real. And it is the only church that the Lord built. He only built one. When the people in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, when they left Jerusalem, if you look there in Acts uh, uh, 2, it talks about, it gives you the, all of the people that were there in uh, Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. From every nation under the sun, it says. And there were... Uh, approximately 16 or 17 nations at that time. They all had a representative there in Jerusalem. And when they left Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost to go back to their native land where they were born or where they lived, they took the gospel with them. And that's the way the gospel began to spread throughout all the world. And so uh, we have it today. According to Acts 2.42, every religious organization today, if they were following the apostles' doctrine, then they would be churches of Christ. Because the apostles were the only one that had the news. They got it from Jesus, and they gave it to us. And so, uh, Acts 2.42, the apostles' doctrine, uh, that's the what every religious organization should be based on. And if they were not, if that was so, then they would all be churches of Christ. Okay. I've said enough. I appreciate you, your attention and uh, that you've given. I hope that uh, I came down your street. Uh, if I did, you know, just, just keep living there. I'll be down next time. Yeah. Because we, there are so many things to cover uh, that we can't cover them all in one setting. But we'll get there if you be patient. You know? um, I think about the things that we've talked about in the past. You know, uh, we, uh, we talked about marriage. I, I've covered that. You know, God don't like, uh, God hates divorce. I believe that was my last sermon. Uh, before, before you, you. And, uh, and then there, there are other uh, uh, subjects that I've taught, but all of them is teaching you something that perhaps you didn't know and, and, and uh, encouraging you to check it out for your sake. So if, if anybody have heard something that, that they don't uh, agree with or got a question about, you know, I'm available after the service, or you can ask one of these brothers around here that they can help you with it, or give you an answer. Um, uh, 2 Peter 3, uh, 15, tells us that we should be ready to give everyone an answer 
of the hope that's within. And so we should be able to tell people about what we believe and why we believe it. You see, if a person can't tell you that, then them, I'll say that something is wrong, but really the root of it is not steady. They haven't steady. Because we are to steady to show ourselves approved unto God. Not Brother Till, not Brother May, or any other one. To God. And so if we do that, then we approve ourselves worthy. And let us work. Because that's part of our salvation. So I want to thank you so much for your attention, your attention, as I said, I said before, and, and I can't, can't go, go without uh, giving you the steps of salvation. salvation. I know that there are those out there that say that all you have to do is ask God to come in your heart and you'll be saved. And that's the biggest lie you've ever been told. The Bible teaches us that there are things that we must do. Uh, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by here and here by the word of God. Uh, Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, uh, and 6 verse particularly says, He that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Luke 13 and 3 says, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you should all likewise perish. Matthew 10, 32, Jesus said, If you will not confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father which is in heaven. 1 Peter 3, 21. The light figure, not to put in the way the filter of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is. That's why you must do it. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not and not baptized shall be condemned. That's what the Bible says. So, as we prepare to sing our invitation song, I pray that, connect, okay, you ready? Okay, I said all I got to say. If I keep standing here, I'll come up with some more, but it may not be good. So, let us stand and sing.